0: So years ago I dealt with somebody who did survive the 9-11 attacks and she was planning her wedding and she just didn't care. She had no feelings about it at all. The feelings of joy and excitement just were totally gone. She was numb.
1: This week a wife writes in and explains that her husband is suffering from PTSD and that he is emotionally unavailable. Dr. Karen Sherman breaks down the issue. Stay tuned. Have you signed up for our free weekly newsletter yet? Visit hitchmag.com and click the newsletter link to join. Go ahead. I'll wait. It'll take less than 30 seconds. It's the easiest way to stay up to date on the latest marriage news and information, including each week's new podcast. Again, visit hitchmag.com and click the newsletter link to join today. And now it's time to... Hey, everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor in chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. So, Karen, for those tuning in for the first time, is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over three decades. She is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, Make It Last. And she has a new radio show out called uh, Take Five to Empower Your Relationship. So in just five minutes, Karen will present a real relationship issue and tell you how to resolve it. Uh, And you can catch this new show on each Wednesday on the Sex Talk Radio Network. So be sure to check that out. And uh, we are going to, today, discuss a question we got from our listener. So um, thank you, listener, for submitting this question. And uh, we, you know, this happens a lot with a lot of the questions that we get, that we don't have a complete story. Um, And we know that emotions and relationships are very complicated. It's, you know, if you come up and ask a question of, like, uh, me and my spouse aren't getting along very well. Uh you know, to get to the bottom of that you need to really dig into a lot of questions. So, uh with that in mind, um I'm going to share the information that we have and then we'll do the best we can to resolve this issue today, Karen. Okay. So the uh listener came uh shot us an email and said that her husband is emotionally unavailable due to PTSD. And she goes on to describe how he gets angry, starts crying, and exhibiting other emotions. And then he does say that he feels most in control when he's in a rage, but then he'll come back after that rage has subsided and apologize. Um, She said that he is seeing a therapist, um, but that the days that he goes to the therapist, he comes back and things seem to be much more difficult. And um, I guess I want to go back and start at the beginning here. What do we know about the circum I mean, we don't know the full circumstances of this person's situation and what might be causing the PTSD. Um, but so can you give us a, a quick breakdown of uh, what that means and what some of the
0: symptoms are? Uh, I can. I want. I want to say a couple of things first. Um, like you, I'd like to extend my appreciation for the reader submitting the question to us. Um, it's always much more uh, real when the questions come from from readers uh, or listeners. So thank you very much. Um, I'm going to be a little long-winded on this first question because since we don't have details. Um, I want to try to give as much information as I can uh, that responds not only to the person who sent the question, but to situations that um, might be applicable to other people uh, and be helpful as well in that area. So, go, go I was just going to say, go right ahead. Okay. So, PTSD, first of all, stands for post traumatic stress disorder and basically we give that diagnosis when somebody has been in a traumatic situation where there has been something that is life-threatening to them so it could be where they've lived through 9-11 where they have possibly been raped where they've been held up at gunpoint something of that magnitude does it
1: have to be i'm sorry does it have to be life-threatening can it yes it's supposed to be life-threatening so if you Okay, I mean, so if you witness some something horrific, but your life itself wasn't in
0: jeopardy, well, that could be also, and that's what I was just going to say okay. to you because I'm working with a client recently, who does suffer a little bit from PTSD because a plane, uh, a small plane, crashed, um, where the the bodies of the people in the plane actually ended up in their backyard pool, um, and that also is uh, would would end up being, uh, a situation that would create PTSD. Um, but generally we talk about it being something that's life threatening. And just for clarification, we don't generally give that diagnosis unless the person comes in with symptoms, which I'll talk about in a moment, 30 days after the event. Prior to that, if somebody comes in, we would call it acute stress disorder, but okay. okay. So here are the symptoms. The person has nightmares. The person keeps uh, thinking about it over and over and over again. Their feelings are numb. So years ago, I dealt with somebody who did survive the 9-11 attacks, and she was planning her wedding, and she just didn't care. She had no feelings about it at all. The feelings of joy and excitement just were totally gone. She was numb. Um, there tends to be a hyperactive Reactivity to noises. Um, another client I worked with uh, was in a car accident, and so anytime she heard a car backfire, she, you know, sort of jumped out of her skin. Um, and so there's just this heightened sensitivity to noises, um, and basically the person just really isn't able to to function properly. Mm-hmm. Um, in all honesty. Um, Though I don't deal with a lot of PTSD, I have dealt with it through my career, and none of the cases have I dealt with has the person exhibited rage. Now, therefore, I'm being very open. I don't know whether rage, anything I've ever taught in school when I'm teaching about this, has ever... Um, stated that the person shows rage signs. So that makes me want to continue talking about the following things. I don't know if this reader, uh, I keep saying reader. (laughs) I know. I apologize. (laughs) This listener um, has gotten that diagnosis from the therapist that her mate is seeing or not, or whether this is her own diagnosis. Um, But I will also tell you that what I have seen through the years is that many times when people have had trauma in their lives early in their childhood, and many of us now believe that people who have had abuse or trauma early in their lives, it is considered that you have PTSD. And I have seen people in their relationships showing rage when they are triggered. In other words, when your mate Says or doesn't say something, or does or doesn't do something that feels similar to things that you have experienced in your past. You don't know that you're doing it. You don't realize that it's really that you're having a trigger reaction, but it's like something hits a nerve and you are now reacting as if it is something from your past. So the reason I'm going on and on is because, again, since we don't have information, Very often, these implicit memories from childhood, which again, we are now more aware of the fact that it could actually be PTSD based on childhood experiences, um, could really be implicit memories that are getting triggered and showing up in the relationship.
1: So if this isn't, you know, if we're going on the assumption that this isn't PTSD, what might it be?
0: Well, it could be, again, some people would say, well, it is PTSD, but it's based on childhood experiences. Others of us would say that it is implicit memories that are getting triggered in the relationship because you're likely to have more of these uh, reactions to people who are very close to you. Um, I'm working with a client now who um, does get very angry at her mate's Um, and ended up having a couple of affairs. And what she has realized now from our work is it's because her husband was doing things that were very similar to things she experienced with her mother. Mm. And she's now able to make those connections and see that um, she felt much worse um, because her husband was doing the things that really were leftover emotional baggage from the things that she experienced when she was a child with her mother. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I just wanted to clarify not only for the listener but for other people listening that you could be having um reactive kinds of um responses from your mate that come from what looks like nowhere and you could be the target of these inappropriate Rages or shutdowns, uh, because that's generally how it comes out. Mm -hmm. And it could be like out of the blue, like nothing happened to you. You didn't go through something horrible that Mm -hmm. we can be aware of. And yet it really is because of a trauma that happened early in life. And the trauma doesn't have to be what we would typically think of as a trauma. It can be a neglected childhood, an abusive childhood, things of that nature.
1: So, yeah. So it doesn't have to be some like major traumatic. Correct. Life-threatening thing that could cause a trigger like this.
0: That's correct.
1: Okay. Okay. And, and, you know, and I think we've talked in the past about how it's typically the people who are closest to us who feel the brunt of those emotional outbursts.
0: Yes, we're more vulnerable with those people. Okay.
1: Um, and before we go on to the next question, I, you know, I had this idea and I've, I've heard people do this on other podcasts, so I want to extend this to our listeners. Um, if you guys have questions and, you know, cause I mentioned that, um, you know, we, we are offering this advice and information based on. email that we received with the limited information that we get in that email and i understand that it could be really complicated and difficult to express the full range of things that are going on in a written email and it's a lot of work and effort Um, one thing that i might recommend is mo if you have a smartphone which um most people do these days uh smartphones have a built-in voice recording app in them a little voice memo go ahead and record a question on the voice memo and email it to us. Um, It'll have to be relatively short. Um, You know, you can't go on for 10 minutes because then the file will be too large to email. But if you do that, um, I think you'll be able to more quickly and easily pack in more information um, and, you know, give us a name and, you know, the city you're from or something like that. And uh, go ahead and submit those questions that way and I think that might be an even easier way to get across more information um, and so that we can help you, uh, more completely. So
0: what I'd like to add to that, Steve, cause I think what you just offered is great is what you might want to do before you record what you're going to send is make some bullet points, like as if you were going to a doctor and you have your questions ready for him so that when you start to record, you have your bullet points ready as opposed to going on and on and on. Because then, as Steve said, the file is too big. So if you've got those bullet points ready, then you just tell us the main points and then we can address them.
1: Ah, that's a great point. I love that. Thank you. Okay. Um, Okay. So let's move on to the next question. So we've kind of established a situation here. Um, How, you know, can you make any suggestions on how uh, this couple can start to recover?
0: Yeah, sure. Um you know, the responsibility for the recovery in large part is going to be with the person who is having these reactions. Um, What we know is that the therapy um, by the name of EMDR, which stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing, has been tremendously helpful for PTSD. Um, It has a wide range of applicability to different types of trauma. So it would be also very useful for the other types of things I was mentioning. Um- In addition, there are lots of body therapies, in other words, where you're not just talking about the problem because what happens in talk therapy is that you talk about it and you come to understand it, but you're still going to react to it because the emotions are still in your body. So if you go to do some uh, Hakimi or if you go to inner child work or you go to um, any of the sensory motor therapies then you're going to be able to work on releasing the emotional, um, stressors that are still in your body. And so any of those would also be very, very useful for dealing with these kinds of issues.
1: Okay. So, uh, EMDR, that is the most effective one for PTSD. Right. Okay. And, and to your point, it's, it's helping to, um, get the physicality of the emotions out.
0: Yes. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Okay. So then, you know, the, the listener, um, the wife in this situation, she mentions how he gets into these fits of rage. um, And that's when he says he feels most in control. Can you explain why that might be? And perhaps offer some advice for him and her.
0: Okay. So this is my best guess that if these emotions are, you know, the result of him feeling out of control, you know, the, the whole situation is one where he felt like he was out of control. And, you know, that was why I thought maybe it wasn't what we typically think creates PTSD. In other words, well, you know, where you, I guess even in those situations, I'm sorry, I'm taking it back. I had a little conversation in my head. (laughs) Um, You know, in PTSD, you know, when PTSD results from somebody holding you up at gunpoint or, you know, being raped or, you know, something, you're going to feel out of control in those situations also. So if his raging is giving him the belief or the feeling that he's in control then he's going to say, "I feel better because he feels like he's back in control." But what happens with, let's say, something like EMDR? The methodology is such that they help you reinstall that feeling of being back in control. It's a it's a vital element of the therapy.
1: So it's almost like rebooting a computer.
0: Yeah. Then, okay.
1: Yeah. Um, and then what about for her? I mean, if, when she's a um witnessing these rages. Do you have any recommendations for her on should she try to calm him down? Should she just leave the situation? What are your thoughts for her?
0: Well, you know, first of all, I think the most important thing is for her to realize that this, even though it's being directed at her, it has nothing to do with her. And I think that anytime you try to, quote, calm somebody down when they're emotional, you're wasting your breath and it might actually incite the person even more. I mean, Can you imagine when you're upset with someone when they say to you, all right, now calm down, calm down. You know, that's going to make the person, I don't want to calm down. Yeah. So I think that that won't help. I think that if she has the ability to just sort of hang in there and just sort of stay with him and ride the wave, that that would be great. Um, if it really becomes unbearable for her, if she can just sort of say, I know this is hard for you. And maybe in a quiet time, if she can say, you know, when you get like that, um, I know that it's really difficult for you, but it gets really scary for me also. So when you get like that, what I'm going to do is just sort of give you a little signal and I'm going to leave the room for a while, but I will always come back. I'm not leaving you. I'm just sort of protecting myself. Mm, And then when it happens, you know, she has to give him the signal and say, you know, I, I'm here. I'm just, you know, going out of the room for a little bit.
1: Okay. And I um if I'm not mistaken, there has been some neuroscience that has come out uh fairly recently that discusses how when people go into rages like that, that their their thinking part of their brain just shuts off. Oh,
0: absolutely. So absolutely. they're
1: so they're not even like the, the neurons in the brain literally just aren't even firing. So no matter what you're telling them, it's it's not making right. any no. kind of connection.
0: Right. So the, that's why there's no sense. There's no sense in trying to be rational at that point. Yeah. So talking them
1: down will get you nowhere. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay. So in, in this scenario, um, the listener mentioned how her husband is seeking therapy, mm-hmm. um, but she also acknowledges how difficult the situation situation is when he returns. Yeah. Um, that there's seems to be more emotions when he returns. Um, do you know why this might be, or have any recommendations for the couple? Yeah,
0: because I, you know, you're going in and you're opening it up, which makes me wonder what kind of therapy he's getting because, um, in EMDR, I don't know that that would happen. Uh, But if you're going in and just talking about it, you're opening up a Pandora's box. And so you've let it out and now it's, you know, it's there with you. So he's going to feel a little bit worse afterwards.
1: Um, So is it kind of like if you have a wound, you've kind of picked the mm -hmm. scab and you got a little bleeding going on? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I mean, do you have any recommendations or anything for um, how they might – change, changing the type of therapy or, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I, I, I think that it's really important to find the right type of therapy or therapist for, you know, what you're going through.
1: And so for this couple, for example, might this just be something that they can go into their therapist and just say, this is the situation, you know, we heard, um, or I did some research and, and have heard of this thing called EMDR. Like what are your thoughts or recommendations on it and kind of take it from there?
0: You can if the person doesn't do M- EMDR and really feels that they're helping, they may, you know, give you reasons to not do the EMDR. Um, but, you know, I would say that the person should do some research, um, speak to a couple of EMDR therapists, um, and then, you know, thank the person that they're with and say, you know, we've really decided that after doing some research, we would like to go in a different direction.
1: Okay. You know, one of the things that I think is important for um, pretty much like all listeners out there is to understand that you are in charge of your own health. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't feel like you're getting the answers um, that you're expecting to continue to seek out and fight to get those answers.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, here's what happens to some people. When you start working with a therapist and you've opened yourself up You have invested time, you've spent money, um, you, you know, have built a relationship with the therapist. So it's a really very hard situation to then leave that, you know, that whole thing that I've just described. Um, But it, it really behooves you to get what's best for you. Now, what I'd like to think, but this doesn't always happen, is that if the therapist realizes that they're not giving you what you need, you're not getting any better, that they would realize and say, you know, I think you would be better off doing X, Y, or Z. Now, when I've been in that situation, sometimes clients say, no, 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 I really want to stay with you. And it's really been a push for me to get them to go to a different type of therapy. Mm. Um, And I've had to sort of work with them and transition them. But You know, as therapists, you're really only supposed to work in your area of expertise. And when you come to a situation where it's no longer in your uh, area, you're really supposed to transition them out. But if you feel that you're not getting what you need from your therapy, as hard as it is to leave, it is your responsibility, as you're saying, Steve, to really go and get what you do need.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And so then lastly, um, because the husband is dealing with his own emotions, this leaves the wife at, she started this question with, um, the wife is feeling, um, that her husband is emotionally unavailable to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I guess it's going to be a two part question. First is, uh, with time and effort, is it possible that he will become emotionally available to her in the future? And then the second part of the question is,
0: What should you do in the meantime? Okay, so absolutely, um, this can be worked on. And so when it is uh, healed, He can be emotionally available to her. And I think that in the meantime, she has to understand that she's going to have to get some some support from other resources. So is it any different than, God forbid, he's been in a horrible car accident and he's laid up in the hospital for several months? She's not going to be able to expect for him to be supportive of her and help out and be emotionally available to her. She's going to have to depend on other resources. So it's the same kind of thing. This is not something he's doing purposely. And so she's got to sort of depend on other people for a while. Um, as long as he's getting the help that he needs, she just has to sort of, you know, um, expect that she's going to have to go to other people for what she needs.
1: Okay. And so, like, friends, mm-hmm. um, family members? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. And did, did you have any final pieces of advice before we wrap this one up? or anything that you wanted to get across to this listener?
0: Um, I know that this is scary. This is frustrating. um, But again, uh, as long as your husband is getting help and is willing to work on it, um, I think that it's important you stick by him. You let him know that um, you are sticking by him and you realize that it's hard for him Um, and he's, you know, um, as, as upsetting as it is for you. And I really get that it's upsetting for you as well. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's such a hard thing to say exactly how long it's going to take for this to get better. But I think that if you let him know that you really are there for him and that, you know, um, you're by his side, and as long as he's getting the help, you're, you're there. I, I do know that with the proper help, it can be better.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I hope uh, to our listener out there who submitted this question. Uh, I hope you found this information helpful. Um, leave us a note or a message, or just shoot me an email um, and l- let me know if you have any follow-up questions or anything like that. Uh, but uh, for you know, I guess. For now, that is going to do it. So I want to thank you so much for your time and information and insight, Karen. I I think this will be very helpful for not just our listener that submitted the question, but for others who may be in a similar situation. So thank you so much.
0: Very welcome.
1: So I want to remind everyone that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, uh, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. You can find information about Karen on Karen at her website, drkarensherman.com. Uh, she is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep it, and make- As I mentioned at the top, she has a new radio show out called Take 5 to Empower Your Relationship on the Sex Talk Radio Network. Uh, Karen also has a uh, relatively new set of tools called Pillars for Partnership. It is a set of audio and video tools that are produced by Karen, and you can get that at her website, drkarensherman.com. In the meantime, you can visit our website hitchedmag.com, where you can find information about Karen as well as read tons of different articles of, on a variety of issues. Um, you know, you name it, we've we've covered it at least in some facets, So, uh, be sure to check that out, hitchmag.com, um, if you would like a weekly dose of marriage information, which is highly recommended. Uh, be, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. It is free. We send out newsletters um, one email every Monday night. So check that out. And uh, of course, you can reach us on all the social platforms: um, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, etc. As well as Karen too. She is on, on those as well. So uh, be sure you connect on us there. And so we can, uh, you know, answer any questions you may have on those platforms as well. That is going to do it for us this week. So one last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right. That is going to do it for us this week, everybody. Uh, Until next time, take care.